Greetings, everyone. This is Anna Jones, and you are listening to the new episode for my All in Sacred Time podcast. This is episode number four, and it is a podcast that is recorded and published and broadcast on the new moon of every month. The All in Sacred Time podcast is designed to give deeper meaning to your life by helping you to better understand and consciously align with the cosmological and sacred energies affecting and influencing your daily life. And it is published on my website at AnnaJonesOnline.com as well as on iTunes, again, on the new moon of every month. The theme and subject for this month's podcast is the theme of flowering into compassion. And I'm going to be speaking to you about cosmological and sacred time happening in events that are going to be occurring from this new moon, which is the new moon happening on April 28th, 29th, through the next new moon, which the next new moon will be on May the 28th, which will be the time period that the next podcast in this series, episode 5 at that time, will be published at that time. So let's begin. Let's begin by looking at the immediate things happening during this new moon. This new moon is going to finish the first eclipse cycle of the year of 2014. There will be another eclipse cycle later in the year, but this um, most recent uh, events of, of, of April of 2014 have brought the first eclipse cycle in April, um, which I spoke about in the last podcast more in depth. Uh, we had a blood moon total lunar eclipse. Uh, at the same time that a grand cardinal cross was happening and occurring. And it was very, very powerful. Um, many people, such as myself, uh, throughout the country, throughout the United States, were able to see it, and it was quite spectacular. And the energies were affected by, uh, were, were felt and uh, influenced all worldwide, whether it was visible or not. And even though the, the lunar eclipse, the total lunar eclipse, has come and gone, the grand cardinal cross that began around the time of the lunar eclipse has continued and, in fact, uh, reached its uh, perfectitude, um, its exactitude, uh, just a few days ago. And its influences and its energies are going to continue to remain with us for a while longer and all the way ultimately up till the next full moon which will be coming up on May the 14th. However, um, after this new moon and the completion of this eclipse cycle, uh, the, the energies of the Grand Cardinal Cross and how much we've been feeling it and how much it's been affecting us will begin to wane. I've been doing a lot of reading and research about this recently. It's affecting my life. It's affecting certain um, appointments and things that I've been trying to schedule, uh, some of my clients and some of the private work that I do with private readings and private sessions. It has been affecting a lot of people um, that I've been working with. I was leading a, a retreat here, a Fly with the Angels, Swim with the Dolphins uh, spiritual retreat and pilgrimage here in, on the Big Island of Hawaii where I reside. 
um, during the time uh, that the Grand Cardinal Cross began. And it was just, it has just been very intense for all the retreat participants, for all my clients, for everyone that I know, uh, friends that I have, people that I've been talking about, people who have even been like, what is going on? And I didn't even realize how much it was going to be affecting me and impacting me the full extent, even when I recorded the last podcast, of how much uh, influence this, especially the Grand Cardinal Cross happening during this eclipse cycle, was going to be having. The eclipse cycles, um, eclipses always amplify everything. Um, Just like the new moons and the full moons are periods of time where the energies are heightened, um, add to that the heightened energy of the new moon and the full moon in which eclipses happen on, um, add to that the energies of the sun and the energies of the sun and the moon and the earth being in alignment, which is what happens during eclipses, and the amplification is uh, exponentially um, amped up, so to speak, exponentially increased uh, of the amplification. So it has um, been a challenging uh, Grand Cardinal Cross anyway. The Grand Cardinal Cross always presents uh, challenges for change, right? It's like required change. It's like things that have to change during these times. There's just required change. And of course, some of that times that change is hard and difficult for us to to make. And things sometimes have to be brought up to the surface, which many of people that I know and myself included have been experiencing things that have to be brought up to the surface first to even realize what needs to be changed. Um, and sometimes that's uh, difficult to go through and difficult to look at and difficult to to even go through that process of having it being brought up to the surface. So the Grand Cardinal Cross happening, being amplified by these eclipses, um, it, and it will be culminating uh, tonight, actually, uh, this podcast uh, coming out on April the 28th, 2014, and um, it will be tonight uh, during the early morning hours. Um, it's actually the exact time of um, the culmination of this Grand Cardinal Cross during the eclipse cycle and the completion of the eclipse cycle we've been in culminates in a new moon solar eclipse. It's a partial solar eclipse. Um, It's an annular solar eclipse, which means that the entire disk of the sun is not covered. It leaves something that is called a ring of fire. And, (coughs) excuse me, um this annular solar eclipse and uh, is happening at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, so tonight, uh, which I guess technically that will be on April the 29th at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, so that's why you'll see some things that say that the eclipse is happening on April the 28th because depending upon what part of the world you're in, uh, say for example uh, here in Hawaii, we are six hours time difference behind Eastern Time. So we'll actually Actually, be happening six hours earlier uh, tonight on the 28th. But the um, Eastern Time time again for the new moon solar eclipse is 2:14 
a.m. Eastern Time on April the 29th, and um, it will be the annual eclipse, uh, not visible from the United States, um, pretty much from most of the things I've been looking at and reading, it looks like it's only going to be visible in Antarctica, maybe southwest parts of the east, uh, the far east, but uh, visible in Antarctica, some southwest parts of the far east, but energetically affecting us all, and the um, Grand Cardinal Cross is basically kind of happening in the womb of this eclipse. Um, if you do the, uh, if you look at the astrological um, lineups and how things are lining up, uh, the eclipse is kind of happening kind of right in the heart of, or the heart of, or the womb of um, this Grand Cardinal Cross. Uh, so it's the eclipse that's actually happening in the heart of the the the, the Grand Cardinal Cross. So, um, but once this is finished, once this um, new moon solar eclipse, which by the way, the, the new moon is in Taurus, the, the sun is in Taurus, both of them, they travel together. Um, solar eclipses always happen on the new moons because the sun has to, the sun and the moon have to be together um, in order for a solar eclipse to happen. So the solar eclipses always happen on new moons, and both the moon and the sun are always in the same sign. And they're in, um, in Western astrology, that is considered, uh, not in astronomy, but in Western astrology, uh, this is considered a new moon solar eclipse happening in the sign of Taurus. Uh, so the energies of Taurus are affecting us um, during, the t during this time. So, um, but what I'm ultimately saying is that once this new moon solar eclipse has passed and we're on the other side of it, the energies of this Grand Cardinal Cross that we've been experiencing ever since the last full moon um, will begin to wane. In fact, um, I read something this morning that uh, stated uh, that the most difficult part of the year um, of all of 2014 is this time period, um, this time period uh, in between this last lunar eclipse that we had in April and this solar eclipse, and that these are the most challenging energies that we're going to face in all of 2014, and that once this eclipse has passed, this solar eclipse has passed, then we can be past the roughest part of the year, actually, is something I was reading. Um, and then new energies uh, will prevail. So that's some good news, especially if this particular uh, eclipse cycle has been hard and this Grand Cardinal Cross has been hard and difficult for you. <coughs> As you can tell, I have a bit of a cough. It's one of the things that's been uh, hard on me is that uh, I've, 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 caught in, I've caught literally two colds uh, leading to bronchitis during the time that this eclipse cycle um, preceding it and uh, d during it uh, has happened. So anyway, I'm looking forward to new energies prevailing uh, tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, the energies of the Grand Cardinal Cross will begin to weaken significantly, still lingering with us, uh, still staying with us, but will begin to weaken significantly and slowly begin to phase out more and more, uh, feeling the effects of it, by the, especially
especially by the time we reach the full moon. So um, tonight and tomorrow is the new moon in Taurus and the solar eclipse um, happening, the annular solar eclipse happening in Taurus. And um, then it, there's going to be some other um, energies from the Grand Cardinal Cross continuing to affect us all the way up to the full moon of May 13th, May 14th. Um, May 13th and 14th. Uh, however, it doesn't mean that um, the Grand Cardinal Cross is, is, is completely over. It just means the energies are going to begin to wane significantly um, until we get to the full moon. And um, the new energies are going to be uh, prevailing. New, more positive energies, um, promising energies, etc. And um, it, part of this eclipse happening is that Mercury and Pluto um, are also involved and uh, they're, they're, they're allowing us to transform the way that we think and the way we communicate. So new positive energies are on the way and um, adding in the energies of Mercury and Pluto, they're kind of allowing us to innovate and um, create and transform new ways of thinking and um, new ways of communicating. So that's all good news, good news. So also happening this week, um, coming up on May the 1st is uh, another special turning point in sacred time. Uh, This podcast is dedicated to uh, helping people understand more about uh, sacred time, uh, especially natural time, uh, which I've been speaking about in all of the podcasts thus far, how these natural cycles and natural rhythms of the natural world, of the sun, the moon, the earth, and the stars, how these things, they affect our biorhythms. Uh, in fact, our biorhythms, our body's biorhythms are set by these things and determined by these things much more than any man-made clock or man-made calendar system. And also our emotions, our minds, our energy fields, um, all of these things are affected by the natural cycles, the natural rhythms, the natural orders, energies and influences of the natural world. And then of course our spirit. Um, Our spirit uh, is always in alignment with the sacred. Uh, Our spirit, our soul uh, is of the sacred and of the sacred world. And um, it, it is always helpful for us to align ourselves and understand uh, sacred time and to rather than ignore it or judge it or condemn it as being something bad that we don't want to pay any attention to to just honor that these things are uh, they are natural they are part of divine creation and um, as a part of divine creation the divine energies of them um, as we are one and interconnected with all things are affecting and influencing our spiritual path and our spiritual journey and even our soul's ability to do um, what our soul has come here to do. Uh, These things don't stop us. In fact, nothing cosmologically, astronomically, or astrologically has the ability to stop us from being who we are and doing what we've come here to do. But they have an impact on us, like the weather, for example. Um, in fact, uh, sometimes I like to uh, say that, you know, uh, whether it's astrology or cosmology or astronomy, that these things are important for us to know, just as important as it is to know the weather. Um, 
because it won't, they won't, the weather will not stop us from doing what we need to do. Um, somehow, some way, it, it may delay, it may, um, you know, change and alter the plan, um, it may change the timing and the sequence of timing, um, depending upon the weather, you know, of, of, of a plan, of something that we have to do or that we're going to do. Um, it, 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 it has an effect, it has an impact on who we are and what we're, what we're planning and what we're going to do. But the weather ultimately doesn't control the outcome, right? So the same thing with these energies, the energies of all of sacred time. They're not in control of the outcome, but they are like the weather report. Um, they're like the cosmological, um, energetic weather that um, in influences us, the energies that, that, that influence and play a role, whether it's favorable or unfavorable, whether it's a good timing or not a good timing. Uh, sometimes people consider it to be luck, you know, whether it's a lucky day or an unlucky day. You know, uh, it, there, there's, there's so much more to it than that, uh, but that can kind of help you understand. So, when it comes to sacred time, <coughs> Excuse me. There's that cough again. Um, there is uh, another major turning point uh, in the wheel of the year, actually. Uh, there's the sacred cycles of each moon cycle, which is being covered in this podcast, from new moon to new moon. And we'll be talking about the moon cycles, and I've actually oriented this podcast series uh, all to be in alignment with the moon cycle. But in addition to the monthly uh, sacred time calendar of the moon cycles, um, I'm also sharing with you things about the the, the sacred time, uh, natural time calendar of the wheel of the year, the, the sacred wheel of time of the year. And um, the solstices and the equinoxes, people are most more familiar with when it comes to talking about uh, the, the sacred wheel of the year, the sacred times of the year. Uh, however, there are other important turning points, which are called the cross-quarter points. And I spoke about one of the cross-quarter points um, back during the podcast for, I don't remember which podcast it was, I think it could have been um, maybe even the first podcast, um, the one for February. Yeah, the first podcast, um, because we had reached one of the cross-quarter points of the year uh, for, for that. The main turning points of the year are the solstices and the equinoxes, spring equinox, which was just happened in March 20, 20th of uh, 2014. Well, one of them. Uh, summer solstice will be another major one that will be coming up uh, in June of 2014. Then, of course, there's the fall equinox and the winter solstice. Um, so those are the major turning points of the yearly cycle of time. However, there are these cross-quarter points, which are the halfway points between the equinoxes and the solstices. And these are important turning point times. Um, another turning of the wheel of time of the year. And so we're coming up on one of those. Actually, on May the 1st, which is, again, known as May Day. Um, May Day is uh, a more ancient name uh, given to it by the Celtic people. is known as Beltane. <coughs> 
more ancient name known as Beltane. And here's the reason why it's significant. I'm going to share with you several interesting things about Beltane and how it's been celebrated. But the reason why it's included in this podcast and why I'm emphasizing it as much as I am in the podcast is because it is one of these turning points of the year, um, one of the cross-quarter points. It is the halfway point for those in the Northern Hemisphere, which I'm in the Northern Hemisphere and most of the people uh, who are on my email list as well as um, on my Facebook pages and that type of thing, the majority are in the Northern Hemisphere, so I orient this podcast for those in the northern hemisphere because the southern hemisphere it's the opposite right so you're not in the spring right now you're actually in the fall and so this would be a cross-quarter point um, transitioning uh, for those in the southern hemisphere into um, uh, a different season Um, however for those of us in the northern hemisphere it is the halfway point between the spring equinox which was in March and the summer solstice which is in June. So the halfway point between the spring equinox in March and the summer solstice which is happening in June is that halfway point, that cross-quarter turning point uh, which is known as May Day universally these days in modern day times and in ancient times was known by the name of Beltane. And it is a time where the power of the sun grows stronger. It is the waxing energy of the sun. There's waxing and waning energies of the sun, just like there is the moon. (coughs) Excuse me. Waxing and waning energies of the sun, just like there is the moon. So um, this is the waxing, the increasing of the light and the increasing of the power of the sun uh, that begins to happen at Beltane. And um, it is a time where the days you will start to feel significantly, uh, the days and um, grow longer, and you'll see a, a, a much uh, greater difference in the power of the sun, the strength of the light, the length of the days, um, the, 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 the feeling of the, uh, the strength of the sun, the, the intensity of the light, all of that uh, will begin to be felt. And um, in the Celtic times, uh, one of the reasons why it was such an important time um, was the Celtic people actually saw it to be the beginning of their summer. Um, Beltane was actually celebrated by the ancient Celtic people as the beginning of their summer. What I understand it to be, and the way that I like to teach about it and describe to people, is that these cross-quarter points begin a shift in the energies of best way I like to describe it is use the analogy of the tides. Uh, that One tide is coming in and another tide is coming out, going out. Um, so the cross-quarter points for me are at the time when the tides begin to shift. Not the ocean tides, but the tides of energies of these um, of these seasons of the year, okay? The energies of the seasons of the year. Um, so Beltane would be the beginning of summer tide uh, in the way that I like to explain it and the way that I'd like to describe it to people. (coughs) Excuse me. Wow, there is that cough again. Okay, please bear with me um, because this is all really important and 
that's why I'm recording it, even though I still have this cough. Okay, um, so the beginning of summer tide. This means that um, the summer energies, the summer tide, the summer energies of the summer solstice begin to start flowing in. Um, the spring energies are still present, but the spring tide begins to start flowing out. So the spring energies, which have been coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in, um, now begins to slowly go back out, and the summer tide begins to start to come in. That's the best analogy that I can use to help you to understand it. Um, it's not an easy thing to explain, um, but that's the best explanation I can give. Is that the it's still spring? In fact, it's the halfway point between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. Um, however, by the time the summer solstice arrives, all of that spring tide will be gone. All of those spring energies will be gone, and summer energies will be in full. Right? Summer will have arrived. The summer tide will have come fully in and will be at its peak, at its high tide, so to speak, at its full tide by the time the summer solstice comes. Uh, so this time period between May the 1st and June, 20th, I believe. I didn't look up the exact day that the, sol the, the summer solstice is happening, um, but this time period between the um, May the 1st and the summer solstice is a time period when the spring energies will still be present, but that tide of spring will start to go out and the summer energies will start to grow stronger and stronger and that summer tide will begin to come in and we feel the energies of that. It's actually my favorite time of the year. My favorite time of the year um, when the energies of light are the strongest on the planet, when these tides, both the tide of spring and the tide of summer, are both flowing strongly, uh, masculine and feminine energies, both flowing strongly. Um, and it's a time of great fertility. Uh, for the earth, for the animals, and for the people. It is a celebration. Beltane is considered to be a celebration of fertility, um, and it is um, something that uh, has been celebrated for thousands of years uh, as a celebration of fertility because there's so much energy and new life is bringing forth and so much energy for for new life um, and for things to uh, come into fruition. Uh, that begins to happen with this uh, shifting of the tides and this beginning of the summer tide. Um, it is a, a time when many fire rituals, uh, it was probably the number one way that the uh, ancients celebrated Beltane was with fire rituals. Um, however, the German culture as well as um, other European cultures also began to celebrate it with something called the Maypole and the dance of the Maypole. Uh, and this is something that still to this day is um, done throughout the country and throughout the world uh, in celebration of May Day, which is this day of Beltane, May the 1st. And um, the Maypole is uh, an ancient fertility symbol. It is the, um, for the, the pole itself uh, that, that symbolizes uh, the, the male energy, um, and then uh, the planting of the pole, um, the connection of 
with the male phallus into the sacred womb of Mother Earth. Um, and so the energies of male and female coming together, um, and then the interweaving and the intertwining of the stripes on the pole, um, are the, the, usually the colors are associated with male and female. Uh, for example, traditionally, uh, the, the, the striped colors of the striped ribbons uh, in the, long ago traditionally were red and white, red being the female, white being the male energy. And so that sacred dance of um, moving and intertwining and interconnecting the two um, at this time, uh, again, to, to bring forth new life and to uh, be a ceremony of fertility and not just fertility for for new life as far as um, you know having uh, you know concept conceiving of children and those types of things but all types of fertility fertility for the earth like I said you know um, anything that requires the the fertile energies in order to give birth to something new in order to conceive of something new again both literally and metaphorically in our lives and that even includes with things that we're trying to create things that we're trying to do uh, etc so um, that's the way that it's uh, been celebrated before in the past and um, it's a powerful turning point of the year um, it's also been celebrated as a time in which the fairy kingdom is most active and it's traditional to use yellow flowers and um, floral decorations uh, during during that time to decorate for May Day. Uh, so because of the particular energies of the eclipse and the grand, solar, um, the grand cardinal cross and everything else that's been happening, this is a very good time to celebrate May Day this year. Um, very good time to celebrate Beltane and to honor that transition for you and um, tap into that uh, fertile energy that is present on this day uh, for starting to create whatever it is that you're wanting to create and put the energies of that into motion for creating it. Okay, so that's coming up on May the 1st, Bel Beltane. And then um, there are some other things that are happening throughout the month of May that are uh, important sacred time-wise to mention. And that's going to get me into talking about um, the, the, the final uh, subject of the day, which is the theme, Flowering into Compassion. <coughs> so there is the full moon, uh, which I mentioned briefly earlier. Um, the full moon of the month of May is on May the 13th, 14th, depending upon which part of the world you're in. The full moon um, is always felt for three days. So there's the day before, the day of, and the day after the full moon that the moon will actually appear to be full in the sky and that will feel the energies of the full moon still affecting us. Um, but depending, again, what, on what part of the world you're in, uh, it will actually be completely full, that reaching that totality of full moon on May the 13th, 14th. 
And um, again, in Western astrology, uh, this full moon will be taking place in Scorpio. And it is known in um, ancient times uh, to many of the Native American tribes uh, to be the flower moon. Uh, each of the uh, full moons uh, have been given a name by the ancient Native Americans. And um, the name most commonly used and known for this month's full moon is the flower moon. Um, there are also some tribes that knew and understood it and called it the corn planting moon. And of course that's helpful and significant for uh, those who follow uh, planting by the moon cycles uh, as all planting used to be done. Um, and all agriculture used to be done according to the phases and cycles of the moon. And, of course, the Farmer's Almanac still uh, emphasizes this and, and shares uh, some of these techniques. Um, and uh, the, the, the best crops always come out of uh, pl planting those crops uh, according to the moon cycles and the stages of the moon that are appropriate for it. So the Native American culture that's called this the corn, planting moon understood that it was their time to begin that particular planting. But in general, um, it is uh, more known to be this flower moon because of so many um, flowering uh, trees, uh, flowering plants uh, that begin to literally spring forth. Uh, the April showers that bring May flowers uh, being uh, so songs uh, written about, poems written about, uh, etc. So uh, you'll see a flowering of the earth um, begin to happen and unfold uh, around the time of this full moon, preceding it and after it, um, but kind of peaking around the time of the flower moon. Um, so the, like I said, the Grand Cardinal Cross energies will be waning after this eclipse tonight. Um, however, We'll be feeling its effects all the way through this full moon, and then the energies will be significantly, uh, some say over, and some say, you know, waning to, you know, very, very little. So uh, the, the May 13th, May 14th. But there's some specific things to point out about this particular flower moon that's coming up, and um, that's associated with the sacred time calendars of some of the world religions. Um, there's two festivals uh, in when I look at the world religions calendars because I'm an interfaith minister and as an interfaith minister um, I uh, like to look at the sacred time calendars uh, not only associated with the earth and the cosmological and astronomical events but also the sacred time calendars of the world religions and many of the world religions actually align their high holy days with um, sacred time, natural time, um, of astronomical, uh, astrological types of events. Uh, so the, the two uh, sacred time events that I found in the world religions calendars uh, to, that I wanted to point out and that were of most significance uh, during the month of May this year um, is in the Hindu and in the Buddhist calendar, both happening at the time of this full moon. 
Um, so in the Hindu calendar, on this full moon, May the 13th, May the 14th, um, the, the Hindus, um, especially the Vaishnava branch of Hinduism, uh, will be celebrating the appearance of um, Narasimha Dev. Uh, this is an aspect of God, um, a, a avatar, a divine avatar, divine incarnation of God as protector and defender. Um, especially protector and defender of um, the innocent, um, of the pure, uh, and, and, and protector and defender um, of souls and of innocent, pure souls. So the, um, that celebration is going to be happening um, all throughout India and uh, by Hindus all over the world on this full moon, <coughs> May the 13th and May the 14th. Sorry about the coughing, everybody. And um, then the um, at the same time, there is a Buddhist celebration uh, associated with this full moon of May the 13th, May the 14th. And that Buddhist celebration, uh, the Hindu celebration is much older um, than the Buddhist celebration. Uh, dates back much, much longer. Uh, but the Buddhist celebration is on May the 13th and 14th as well. And it is the celebration of Wisak or Visak. Uh, some, some pronounce it Visak and some pronounce it Wisak. Uh, and it is uh, the day um, and days because uh, it's at least three days. Um, I've seen it even listed as a more of a celebration of even longer than three days, but it's at least celebrated for three, the three days of the full moon, uh, of the full moon in Taurus, uh, when it's always celebrated. And it is the celebration of the birth, the enlightenment, and the death of the Buddha, um, of uh, Siddhartha uh, and Sakyamuni Buddha, uh, both, both two different names for the, the, the same being um, that reached and achieved enlightenment. Uh, and so it's the celebration of the birth, the enlightenment, and uh, the death of the Buddha uh, that is uh, also happening at the time of this flower moon on May the 13th and May the 14th. And again, like I said, it's going to be at least a three-day celebration. Um, some people will be celebrating it for even longer than that. And it is a celebration of compassion of all of the things that the Buddha stood for, um, nonviolence, uh, peace, uh, compassion, uh, you know, detachment from the unreal and um, trying to achieve enlightenment um, about one's real self, real nature, and the, the reality of, of, of all that is around us, uh, the, the greater, truer reality, waking up from the illusions, so to speak. Um, but compassion is one of the greatest teachings of the Buddha and one of the greatest teachings of Buddhism. So I wanted to just finish the podcast today by speaking a little bit about this, which is why I chose the theme flowering into compassion, um, because this being the flower moon, uh, the flower full moon, May the 13th, May the 14th, uh, of which WESEC will be happening, um, and this celebration of the enlightened one who came to teach us uh, great compassion, great teachings of compassion. So flowering into compassion, um, it's an opportunity for us to uh, move deeper and deeper to flower, open the flower of our hearts, 
open what the Buddha would have called the lotus of our hearts, the lotus in our hearts, and move into deeper and greater compassion. <coughs> okay, so that time I um, actually remembered to cover the microphone, so I hope the cough is not uh, interfering too much with people listening to this. Okay. Um, so, flowering into compassion, uh, take this opportunity, uh, it's always good during any of these times to uh, do prayer, ritual, ceremony, meditation, yoga, um, spending quiet time, silent time in inner reflection, um, doing inner journeying work, even sacred pilgrimages. Uh, spending time in nature. These are all things that are always appropriate during any times of sacred time. Um, any of the things I've already spoken of today, uh, any, any sacred time events, these are always appropriate things to do on these days. However, I'm encouraging it even more so when it comes time for this WESAC celebration, the full moon in Taurus, May 13th and 14th, so that you can go deeper into your compassion to open the flowering lotus of your heart and your heart chakra and go deeper into compassion. So doing a meditation um, in which you quiet and you center yourself, um, preferably in nature where you can really tap into the energies of the natural world and feel the increasing waxing energies that are happening, the waxing energies of the sun as the summer tide is coming in and feel the energies of the full moon. Um, you can do it in the day or do it in the night when you're able to uh, either see the full moon. Seeing the full moon is not necessary to do a meditation, um, but to do a meditation on um, compassion. And um, begin by uh, focusing on your breath and breathing into your heart center. Your heart chakra is literally your heart center uh, physical body. It's located in the center of your chest, the upper back area where the heart chakra is. And the more you breathe, you're able to kind of breathe into your heart center. And as you're breathing into your heart center, just focus on compassion and things that make you feel compassion. Um, situations uh, maybe perhaps happening in the world, something that uh, you've heard of uh, on, on in a story that's maybe been in the news or even maybe in a story of somebody's life you've interacted with recently, that when you hear that story, uh, when you um, think about it, it makes you feel uh, great compassion. Uh, for that person. Not just empathy and not just sympathy. You want to go past empathy, past the sympathy and empathy that you may feel um, and into that feeling of uh, when you feel that your heart is going out to someone. It's not just because you're having um, empathy or sympathy for them. It's actually because it's touching some place of compassion in your heart. So you want to go into that place where you feel that your, your heart opens 
so much that your heart can extend out to someone. Um, and that's the place of compassion because it's compassion that has that power to open our hearts and extend our hearts outwardly um, to others. So when you're doing this meditation, breathing into your heart chakra, drawing up into your mind, maybe even plan ahead of time what it is that you're going to focus on, uh, a, a story uh, of, of someone or something that makes you feel that compassion and let your heart open and let your heart extend out in that compassion and reach out in that compassion um, to that person or to that situation or to that place or to those people, whatever it is um, that you've chosen, reach out with your hearts and send that compassion uh, to them and let yourself just be open to uh, give compassion and receive compassion and feel your compassion. Um, it is not your compassion that um, makes you vulnerable to being uh, hurt by the energies of other people. It is um, closing ourselves off and um, holding on to the things that we empathetically and sympathetically pick up on. Um, holding those things in or trying to block those things out that actually um, makes us most vulnerable to being hurt or harmed by any of those things. Feeling and feeling deeply, especially feeling deep compassion, um, is actually uh, a very healing uh, therapeutic thing for all of us and of course it is the precursor for um, for love. Uh, compassion is the precursor for love and being able to uh, connect uh, with someone and give and receive love uh, freely from our hearts uh, is very much uh, determined by how open our hearts are and how much we can give and receive freely compassion uh, through and from our hearts. So that is the meditation that I'm recommending that you do and um, that once you're experiencing that compassion uh, just stay with it, stay open to it uh, and add any prayers and affirmations that you want uh, for moving deeper and deeper into compassion for compassion to flower more in your life which will create love to flower more in your life. Okay, so that's the completion of this podcast for today. I want to thank everybody very much for listening to it. And um, uh, the, the next new moon will be on May the 20th, and we'll have the next podcast episode then. Uh, in the meantime, visit my website at AnnaJonesOnline.com, where you'll see all of the podcasts and more. Um, thank you so much. <laughs>